You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the football grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. What's going on, Mike? Uh, merci, Mirvocu, or right. whatever that means in France, because I am I am here in France right now on my big vacation, but I'm what? saying hello to you, Grump. Yeah, so this episode is being recorded a bit in advance. Uh, Cranky Fan is on vacation, so we had to record this at the tail end of last week. You guys are viewing this at your regularly scheduled time, and that's why he's not wearing a beret and in a striped shirt, <laughs> right? Because you're not quite there yet. What am I, European vacation? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Big Ben, Parliament. No. <laughs> um, but we're here to talk quarterbacks today, and we didn't want to throw off the schedule just for that, and there was no reason not to do advanced work and make this happen. So that's what we're doing. We're making this happen. So let's make, make it happen. It happen. Um, and this is this is the big kahuna, right? I mean, this is the big question. Daniel Jones, quarterbacks, this team, the future, everything. It, you know, we, we, we have a new head coach. We have a new general manager. We have a whole new front office, coaching staff, everything. But we got last week's you know, news as quarterback, you know, and... But do we? I, I don't I mean, know. I mean, you could make an argument. It's, I mean, it's, that's, I mean, the, the million-dollar question is... Yes. We don't know that, you know, and, you know, a lot of people have made up their minds already about Daniel Jones, and I, I would be willing to bet the majority of people have made up their minds about Daniel Jones made up their mind on draft day in 2019. I would say... Of the people that have made up their minds, yeah, I would agree with that. Yes. Most of them yes. made up their minds before they even really saw him in Giants blue. Yes. It on as we record this in the beginning of March of twenty twenty two is now completely irrelevant when he was drafted, who drafted him, why they drafted him. Sure. Who they drafted instead of someone else either in twenty nineteen or twenty eighteen. None of that matters anymore. It's, well, yeah, because we're pivoting now. Yeah. Well, we're, we're, he's here. We're pivoting directions now, and he can be part of that or not. Right. I think I think there is some level of debate here, um, and the first part of this debate is: Do you pick up the fifth year option? Hmm. Uh, to me, I think I think we're both in agreement with this, and I think we're in agreement with everybody. The answer is no. I think you know you want flexibility on this roster and with this salary cap, and you know something: this is going to be his year. Um, they're running out of time to make excuses. You know, we can do say. Do you think that's excuses. unfair? I, I I'm not necessarily disagreeing, but do you think it's unfair that this is his year? This is his chance to shine. Is like a whole tear down of the roster. Well, unfortunately, life isn't fair. It's not fair. I mean, okay. he's not going to. Let's put it this way: they're not going to resign him again to give him a chance to prove himself. I mean, mm-hmm. the clock is kind of running out. This is, you know, this is year four, and. I think I think we don't need Daniel Jones to be a franchise quarterback at the end of year four, but we need to see things that he can pick up this offense going forward. He's showing more maturity, running this offense, running running the team, continued improvement on uh, ball security, 
all of these things that you need to see the trends pointing upward to consider the relationship moving on with him or not. Um, I think you roll the dice. I think more signs are kind of pointing that this is probably going to end after this year. And, but if it doesn't, you know, it's no guarantee. I think people are thinking like, well, you know, you don't, you don't do the option, but you could risk losing him after the, after the fourth year. If he's all of a sudden that great, you, you franchise him. You franchise him, or you extend him before. I mean, and also if he's kind of eh, that doesn't mean there's going to be a market out there for all these teams offering him thirty, forty million dollars a year. If he's kind of just borderline, and you're not really sure what you want to do with him, I can guarantee you most teams are probably not that interested in him either. Yeah, I mean that's a pretty good point, right? We assume that if he has a good year. Well, I mean, you assume that if he has a baller year that you're just screwed out of keeping him. But says who? I mean, who's to say you wouldn't sign an extension midseason? Who's to say you don't just franchise tag him and just kick that can down the road Mm -hmm. until you can work out a deal? Which, by the way, in that instance of kicking the can down the road, that's simply just to get to the years where we have the space under the cap. That's not not for any other reason, really. And think Um, about it from Daniel Jones' standpoint, too. If he's starting to show success this year— do you think he wants to go to another team and another offensive coordinator and another offense? I mean, he's had what? No, but I mean, I think he wants another contract with more money. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, yeah, but, but I'm I, saying, you know, if, 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 let's put it this way. It, it, again, if the Giants don't think he's the answer, I can pretty much guarantee you that almost every other team feels the same way. Oh, he's not get, He's not going to be signed to be somebody else's starting quarterback. So his most well, I mean, his, well, the, here's the thing: is that if he has a baller year this year, let's just say, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, we're, we're in this situation where the franchise tag is on the table and and, and all this stuff is going on. Does, do you think he wants to stay here at that point, or do you think yes. he wants to just get the fuck out of here? Stay, because players it, hate the franchise tag. But. Yeah, but the franchise tag is a placeholder until you sign, you know, you make another deal. Well, maybe. I mean, unless your name is Kirk Cousins. Um, but here's the thing, though. You know, that's where you're Daniel Jones, and that's where you're open to negotiating. They may hate the franchise tag, but it's for one year. He's going to get a significant, significant raise over what he's getting now to, for the franchise tag. Oh, yeah. And, and it's really kind of on him if he wants to extend and go out. If he wants to roll the dice after that one year. He better play even better than he did in 2022 because he's probably not going to get that money on the open market again. Yeah, I guess so. Um, so why wouldn't you franchise tag him? Is there like a specific thing with Daniel Jones? Or, not franchise tag. Uh, give Offer the fifth-year option. Is it strictly because of the state of the franchise or is it him? I think it's him. And also, I, I just think that, uh, again, this goes back to being unfair to Daniel Jones, but I think... You know, how much evaluation time do you need? You know, if if he's, let's say things are relatively, uh, relatively good. Like let's say the offense, we we get an offensive lineman in the draft. The offensive line is relatively healthy, plays better than it was last year, not significantly great. Uh, our offensive weapons are relatively healthy. You know, Kenny Galladay plays 15 games. Kadarius Tony plays 15 games. Saquon Barkley is back to health. 
you know, and is a thousand yard rusher. Everything is kind that's of. That's not even relative. That's that's pretty damn good. Okay, so let's say that Saquon Barkley's functional, and let's just say you know things are aligned in the right direction for okay. him. Yeah, 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 I get you. And you know, an uncharacteristically a, fortuitous year. Yeah, with Galladay and Tony playing 15 games and yeah, Barkley being the, pretty functional. But that's but that's also it's like it could be a fluke year, you know. All right, but still, if everything is relatively good, you're giving him the best opportunity to succeed. Right. And again, I don't need to see 50 touchdowns and three picks and a QBR, you know, quarterback rating of 187. You need to see that this guy can be good. And I. To me, it's too much of a gamble for two years. We haven't seen enough to really prove it yet. So I just think you play it by ear. And again, if you you have to, you have that franchise tag in your back pocket, you pay it then. Yeah, I I, I agree. Um, What's frustrating is that I think, and we've discussed this on the show before, so I'm not going to go into crazy detail, but in the few games in the early-ish of last year, you know, that, that week two game against Washington uh, you know that Saints game, especially even you know mm-hmm. uh, moments in the week before, when things were looking right for him, when guys were playing, when he had half of an offensive line, um, he showed the progress ex- like kind of exactly where I wanted to see it, um, and like like even that week two game against Washington, like. They lost and, you know, whatever. And But most of that game we were bitching about the defense and the Darius Slayton drop. And, and you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, Daniel Jones played his ass off in that game. And, you know, I remember commending him. He's just like Nick Gates went out on basically that first drive or whatever. And, you know, he's up there setting all the protections and the snaps coming out at one second left or double zeros on the clock. And he's still slinging it. Um, and they stayed competitive in that game. Um he looked like he was progressing the way we were hoping in those flashy incidents. Those incidents were like so few and far between because the roster got decimated so goddamn immediately right. that like it's just not enough for me to, to just toss my – to hitch my wagon to that now. That's or really to toss, it. Or to toss it aside. Or to it's toss not- it aside. I mean there's no reason to throw that away. I, You know, you come in here as a GM and you see this dumpster fire and you're like, well, who could succeed here? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So if you see any semblance of a guy getting success and he's stuck under contract in a situation where cutting him doesn't help, by the way, what's and, the incentive? Just you and, might as and well a giant fan, The Giant fan doesn't want to hear this. but Sure. I mean, I don't even like saying it. Yeah, but you know something? This is a, not a year we're worrying about record. I said this when we talked about uh, – you know, my my plan to rebuild this roster. When I talked, we talked about our way to, to set a timetable for when we should be expecting things. Exactly, and mm-hmm. that timetable is not this year. So, if I'm not overly concerned with wins and losses in 2022, I want to play him out and give him every opportunity. You know, the big things that were the the big bugaboos against him, turnovers. He's done a. If you look at the numbers, he's done a much better job. Yeah, and. Pull- as a disclaimer, some of that has to do with the conservative offense that we were running, but not okay. all of it. Not well, all of it. I mean, if you watch the film, he's holding onto the ball better. He moves the pocket a little bit better, and he's throwing. Uh, the interceptions, I would say, are mostly down because they took away like all gunslinger mentality from him. Mm-hmm. But but the fumbles, I would I would argue, is fully corrected by by him. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, the big thing we're going to be concerned about is can the guy stay healthy? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's had a variety of injuries in a variety of different ways and variety of parts to his body where that is a that is a that's a pretty big concern. And to me, that is as much of a concern if I want to give him either the fifth year option or even going forward as I do for his play on the field. I would agree with that. And I, I don't mean specifically the neck. I just mean in general, his Anything. health is a friggin' problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so on top of the fact that like, it's not like he's out there with a bad offensive line and, and making it all happen by himself. I mean, he's back there getting killed like most people would. So he's not Superman on and, and getting hurt. He's getting hurt and handling it like a, a guy would. Right. So again, I think this is, again, we're not worrying about the playoffs this year. We think we're all realistic about that. So we are not a quarterback away from making the playoffs. You play the guy. Yeah. You you give him every opportunity to succeed. They're going to build an offense around his strengths, his comfort level, what he likes to do, what the, the strengths of the, the weapons they built around him, how good this offensive line is going to be. And you could see, is this a guy we can work with or not? And if they make the decision, you know, after a year, if he only plays eight games because he's hurt again, your decision is kind of made for you. Kind of, yeah. If, if he plays 16 games, 15 games, and he's, eh, they're going to move on. Yeah, exactly. And There's no incentive to and, stay at that point. Right, right. If he really shows signs of development from this year, from last year, or from week 16, from week one, they're probably going to keep him. Now, that doesn't mean he's automatically going to get you know, a, a, an eight-year, $175 million contract or some blockbuster one. I think it's, you know, he doesn't have them over a barrel like he thinks he does, or maybe his agent thinks he does. Because looking at my crystal ball, this team is probably going to suck this year and probably going to have a very high draft pick. So if they, you know, they want to make a move in the draft, they'll be able to pick up a, a high quality prospect for it. So I, I think they're doing the right thing with him. They're saying all the right things in the off season. They, you know, they are committed to him this year, a year where again, with no playoffs really to hope for, you give him every opportunity to succeed and to showcase what he can do. It's think, like, the, it's like the senior bowl for a year for him to prove himself. In a way, yeah. Um, I think in this, on this day, March, what is it, third today? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so far, I think they're handling it exactly how I would. I don't know if that's the best way, but it's the way I would do it. So in my head, it's the best way. Um, uh, but we, it remains to be seen. We're still early on right now. Um, mm-hmm. We are in a situation now where, well, well, this is a good this is a good spot to pivot from here. Um, mm-hmm. What we're, ta- we're, we're talking about his health, right? And one of the big glaring problems that is pretty consistent, you know, he's hurt a lot. We need someone that's going to come in and have to handle a couple games, right? Mm-hmm. Is that That's just like a given at this point. His backup needs to do that. But how we – Mike Lennon is gone, right? Mm-hmm. And Jake Fromm, I believe, is also gone. So they brought in Davis Webb, but that's already kind of been – told that that's not really a backup that's going to be more an Alex Tanny role that's a QB in the QB room kind of role and that's what he wants Davis Webb that's I mean he's trying to do the path to coach thing and before before we move on let's 
you know, Mike Glennon, everybody's like, that's the worst backup quarterback we've ever seen. And he quite possibly was. He but, was pretty bad. But, but the thing was, he wasn't that bad the year before. No, 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 and, no. Quite, I, I actually do want to point out, because Bobby Skinner did like a really interesting, he had career lows like across the board. That that's not him when he got here. Some like he yeah. either got hurt or this offense was so bad. And well, the, you know. let's think of the other things too. Those final couple of games that he played, we had a interim offensive coordinator. No, right? I, so, yeah, kinda. Even it was Joe Judge and Freddie Kitchens. Right. So we didn't even have, we didn't even have an offensive coordinator. We had yeah, another it was like guy a calling plays. Weird after the collaborative was, effort thing. Right. We had an offensive line that was missing at any stage. Three to four starters who should be starting you know we Kadarius Tony was pretty much gone the end of the season uh Kenny Galladay was in and out uh Saquon Barkley was a shell of himself uh you know everything that could have possibly gone wrong for Mike Glennon around him as well as how he played and I he also played like a guy like you said might have been hurt at some point but also Daniel Jones was like the last one to get hurt I mean, in the grand scheme of things, like, by the time Daniel Jones got hurt, things had already fallen apart. I mean, mm-hmm. they were already pretty much beyond repair by the time Jones was getting hurt already, in the Dallas they game. Already fired, they already fired uh, uh, Garrett. Jason Garrett Yeah, when he got hurt. Yeah. Um, and the, the those first two games before he got hurt, they won both of them. Right, right. So... You know, it's unfortunate that Mike Glenn's going to be remembered by Giant fans as probably the worst quarterback in team history. But, you know, let's move on from him. Yeah, um, and and that's exactly what we're doing here. So they're going to have to – Davis Webb is not going to be that first guy off the bench. I really don't think so. That's really not what it's indicated. Um, He's kind of trying to do the fast track. He's trying to be Mike Kafka, I guess, right? Like he's trying to get that fast track real young – QB coach. I'm thinking like what change. Brian Schottenheimer was when he was mm-hmm. at Florida. He was, you know, he was the third string quarterback behind Eric Kressler and Jenny Werfel, but there was never really anticipation of him ever playing. It was, yeah. you are going to learn how to be a coach and you're going to learn by holding the clipboard as a quarterback from that perspective. So I think that's what they're trying to do here at Davis Webb. Yeah, which, which leaves a vacancy here. So, I mean, the Giants are now at a position where they can fill that vacancy with a free agent veteran or a draft pick. And mm-hmm. it's a new GM, so both things truly are on the table. And yeah. that free agent veteran, by the way, may be somebody that pushes for a job. It may be somebody that is just going to back up Daniel Jones. Or it may be something else, you know, just further down the line. I- it- yeah, so what I did was I kind of went through the list of all the available free agents and I kind of categorized them into three different groupings. One, you know, free agents that we're not going to touch. They're too expensive or they have issues that we don't want to touch. That's category one. Category two are free agents that would bring in, that would, would legitimately push Daniel Jones uh, for playing time. You know, if Daniel Jones is playing poorly, this guy could come in and replace them. Or if Daniel Jones gets hurt, he could be someone who comes right in. Finishes out the season. And finishes out the season, and it doesn't completely fall off the the cliff. Or free agents that are, you know, relatively cheap. Yeah, Yeah, they're they're purely our backups. They're never really going to challenge for the starting job. You know, 
if you need them to come in for a game or two, fine. But if it's, you know, if Daniel Jones gets hurt in week nine, he's out for the year, you know, the season's kind of over anyway. So those type of guys. So in category one, I, d- I have identified three quarterbacks that to me are just either too expensive or, or not in our plans. Ryan Fitzpatrick, Andy Dalton, and Cam Newton. I feel like I feel like we have to talk about Ryan Fitzpatrick literally every year because he's a free sure. agent like every year. He's a free agent every year. He plays somewhere for the first month is fantastic. You know, the, what's the over under every year for the term Fitz Magic? Yeah. T- trending. It's usually by week 2. Uh and then by week 5 he's he's either hurt fit, or he's, he's Fitz tragic. Yeah. So, um although but, I will say he is is he not the most like lucrative uh, NFL player of all time. I mean, I, I think he's taken money from like 20 <laughs> of 32 teams at this point. I don't think any other player has really acquired more money from more teams than he has. That's true. <laughs> um, he made $10 million last year with Washington. He will be 40 years old when the season starts. And also, did he play a game last year with Washington? Or... Did he get hurt like in week one? Or... I don't even think he... I, he either got hurt in week one or like in the summer, because we put, when we we faced them Thursday night for week two, and he didn't play. I can't remember. Uh, let's. See. Either way, I mean Ryan Fitzpatrick to me has been a hands-off guy for the exact reason we talked about with the Fitz Magic Fitz Tragic thing. Completely takes over the position everywhere he goes. He earns the starting job. Mm-hmm. For that Fitz magic, and then falls apart with the Fitz try. It just screws up the whole dynamic. He'll never just be a backup. And he when played. He, he yeah. played one game and had played um, sixteen snaps. Oh yeah, so he got hurt immediately. Yes. Wow, that's incredible. Um, yeah, so he he's been hands off for a long time, but now I mean he's he's almost forty. Um, mm-hmm. And $10 million is – we're trying to cut 40 here, so we're not trying to add yeah. another 25% of that back on Andy Dalton, same story, made $10 million last year. Uh, it's That's not the neighborhood we want to buy a house in. For I sure. would also say that Andy Dalton isn't even as good as Ryan Fitzpatrick. No, he's not. Uh, and then Cam Newton I put in this list. He, he only made $6 million last year, but he is shot. He is a far cry from the 2015 version that we know. Exactly. So that's category one. Category two, um, these are quarterbacks. Again, if they brought him in, they're going to provide either very serious competition for Daniel Jones or you're bringing him with an eye that he might replace them midseason. Well, before we get into that idea, I just want to clarify. Do you think any of the people in this group would be here for more than just the initial year? No. Because yeah, I okay. think I agree with you. I, because I think if they're going to be looking to bring in a guy to challenge Daniel Jones, they are so uncommitted on Daniel Jones that they are going to go for a franchise quarterback in the draft. None of these guys are franchise quarterbacks going forward. The youngest one in this group is 28 years old, and we're, we'll talk about the two of those guys shortly. But none of these guys fit in anybody's long-term plans as a starter. I think I agree with you. Yeah. So this list. Uh, Tyrod Taylor. Uh, Tyrod Taylor and Jameis Winston made $5.5 million last year. Jameis Winston coming off major surgery. Jameis Winston is also garbage. <laughs> he is a guy at Florida State who was uh, accused of rape. It, it got settled out of court. 
I'm always going to throw that in there. So, uh, but you know, all all that aside, uh, Jacoby Brissett once a Gator, always a Gator. Uh, Five million dollars last year with Miami. Teddy Bridgewater from Denver, four point four million. And he was Mar- hurt too last year, right? He was he- hurt as well. Marcus Mariota from the Raiders, three point five million. Joe Flacco, who was with the Jets, three point five million. And flavor of the day, yeah. Mitchell Trubisky for two point five million. And I was actually kind of surprised of all of the guys on this list. The youngest guy is Mitchell Trubisky. It seems like he's older than he actually is, doesn't he? Because I think we gave up on him almost immediately. Look, I, I, look, I understand that we're talking about a backup position now and not drafting a guy and hoping for him to be the franchise, the the face of the franchise or whatever, but I don't even think there were this many people. The Giant fans that are like clamoring for Mitch Trubisky, I don't think there were this many people in the nation clamoring for him to be drafted. <laughs> um, I don't have really a big problem with Mitchell Trubisky being a backup. I got to be honest, but I would say I would pull Joe Flacco from this list and push him down to the third tier. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe Flacco, I, I think, is truly, truly shot, um, and he's also pushing forty as well. And, and he he like dive bombed off a cliff. He had that insane year in twenty twelve, where in the in the postseason he just became somebody else, frankly, because right. he never really followed up much after that and. It really I, – you say this all the time too. These guys lose it. They lose it fast. You're done. And yeah. yeah. And he, he's, he looks done to me. I don't know if he'll mm-hmm. – he might get signed just because of his name and he won a Super Bowl at one point. But I think it would only be for that. Nothing he did last year. Jacoby Brissett seems like a guy – it's like the thought of Jacoby Brissett. He's always seemed to be in the right place at the right time to get a contract. Mm-hmm. Where it's <laughs> always – it's like the, the prospect of Jacoby, Jacoby Brissett. You know, he's on, he's on the bench, New England. It's like, oh, you know, <laughs> we should, somebody should spend a lot of money for this guy to be the starter. And then for, you know, whatever reason he gets hurt or something and he's out and somebody else signs him. He plays, you know, plays a couple of games for Miami. It's like, oh, Jacoby Brissett, Jacoby. Have you ever had a Jacoby Brissett moment in the NFL? Like what's, what's his signature moment? Yeah. I was going to say, I don't think he really adds anything that we want it's almost like Mm -hmm. his his highlights come when the whole play comes together it's the right play call for the right defense and he's looking in the right direction and his release happens to be good that time you know what i mean Mm -hmm. every everything everything him with him seems fortuitous it doesn't seem I, I, i don't know it doesn't seem like it's coordinated or or navigating around any issues it's just when things luck out I, I mean, if I'm bringing in a guy right here, and I understand the concept that these guys might challenge him or might end up finishing the year when they, you know, week nine, they've just decided they've had it with Daniel Jones and we're going to finish the year with one of these guys. I would say of those guys, I'm partial to Terod Taylor. And the reason why is because he's worked with a lot of young quarterbacks Um He's lost his job to them just about every time. No, but seriously, I think he does a good job of just coming in, coming to work, and he's a good, you know, learn-by-watching-me kind of guy. I think when he goes in games, he's functional. He does pretty well. Um, I don't know if he's going to be offered the $5.5 million that he got last year. If he can be had for something like $4 million or less, I would prefer to be shooting that fish in that barrel. Let me ask you something. There's a lot of pressure, obviously, on Daniel Jones this year. Mm-hmm. Is it in his 
best interest to bring someone in to quote unquote challenge him to put more pressure on him, or is it better to say you're the guy? I mean, I know they're saying in public now it's like Daniel Jones our starting quarterback, blah blah blah. That's that's off season, yeah. You know, coach speak, but if you want to give him a do you is it in his best interest to be constantly be looking over his shoulder and being and being pushed like that i know, you know so, some people well, say competition is better but I, I i think there is a distinction between the two kinds of guys in tier 2 here like i i don't think like Mitchell Trubisky to me that pushes him that's a young guy who you know is a former first round pick you know mm-hmm. he's he's just cut now coming out of you know his second organization um, where he didn't really even get a chance to see the field. So who knows? Maybe he just needs to be with the right people. Terod Taylor is 32. He's mm-hmm. He's been the guy that was there for Baker Mayfield, for Justin Herbert, I think. Um, he there's a, there's a precedent here where when he's signed, you can tell Daniel Jones, like, this guy is good at working with young quarterbacks. Listen to him. You know, work with him. Do the drills with him. You know, there's... There's a way you can sell that to Daniel Jones where it doesn't feel like a threat, even though it potentially could be. So um, he's really he's really a tier three quarterback who gets paid like a tier two quarterback because he has the ability to come in and not fuck things up. I mean, there is a huge difference between uh, the well, let's talk, McCoys let, of the. Okay, go ahead. yeah, let's talk about tier three then. So when you get down to the tier three, these are quarterbacks which I feel. Uh, they're not really going to challenge you for the starting role, but they can. Play, they have to play for a couple of games. You feel okay that they can at least, you know, prevent a catastrophe like what happened last year. And Maybe. this list includes Chad Henney, Brandon Allen, AJ McCarron, Geno Smith, and once a giant, always a giant, Colt McCoy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this uh, is are this making, is. About you know anywhere from a, a little over a million and a half to about one point two million in, in that ballpark. These are the affordable guys. Um, <laughs> these are the guys uh, like Colt McCoy. He's the guy you bring in when you're like Daniel Jones is our guy. We need a backup quarterback. In hindsight, when, when they, they had made a him, mistake last year, they should have just kept him. I think that's a fair assessment. I think when they signed Colt McCoy at that time, knowing what we knew about Daniel Jones was a was a good signing. Now knowing what we know about Daniel Jones, I don't think I would sign Colt McCoy. I mean, if if he's going to have to play like six games, five games, Colt McCoy might win two. You know, and it, it's going to depend on the opponent. Yeah, we're also more. talking about a team that plays six games might win two anyway. I, I, I'm saying in a vacuum, if, if Daniel Jones is just the focus of what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. He's not going to come in and win Jack. So, like, let's just pretend that we're an 8-8 eight and eight roster, and that's kind of what we're expecting right now. 8-8, eight and eight, and if, you know, if everyone stays healthy, maybe we'll get 10 wins and we're in the playoffs, whatever. No way. I mean, at this point, knowing what we know now about Daniel Jones, if he's out, it's going to be for more than a handful of snaps, a series, a quarter. It's going to be two and a half games. And to this point also, if Daniel Jones was an established franchise quarterback and this team was – a playoff team, it may make sense to have a guy like, you know, Jacoby Brissett or, yeah. or, or Trubisky or someone who, who is a higher, cause you don't want to, you don't want to ruin your season by if you're a 10 win team and all of a sudden you go down and have a Colt McCoy that could kill your, really kill your season. Sure. But happened to us last not, year. <laughs> we're not even near that position right now to, yeah. to be like, well, we better have a very, very quality, Backup. We just want someone 
to prevent catastrophe, to prevent 2021 from happening again. So are you are you in the tier three bucket here of the Hennies, Allens, McCarron, Smith, McCoy? I, I am for two reasons. One, like I was alluding to before, I don't want any more pressure on Daniel Jones. He has enough already this year. You know, he's he's fighting for his, you know, his job with the Giants. He's really fighting for his starting quarterback career. Because if he fails this year, he's not a starting quarterback anymore in this league. And second, my long-term plan for this team, and I've said it a hundred times, I don't care about wins and losses. And you know something? If Daniel Jones goes down again in week six or week seven, I kind of want to lose. I, I, <laughs> I, 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 I want then, I want the best possible draft pick because that draft pick is going for a quarterback. So... You know something? I'd rather almost save the money that you're spending on a backup quarterback and use that for other resources that we can apply towards longer-term solutions for this team. So I would go more towards the, you know, the that lower second tier, um, or I would just go ahead and keep, uh, you know, keep cool. Davis Webb and make it my backup. Mm. You know, yeah, I mean, to, you, you make a pretty so compelling good. point. I mean, right, like, what's the point in spending the money? We're not winning anything anyway. These guys are here for a year. Part of me also was like, if Daniel Jones goes down in week three, let's just say, there's we're not even evaluating the rest of the talent on the roster at that point. That's my worry with getting a Chad Henney. I mean, Chad Henney, I don't even know if he can make right decisions for one whole game or even half a game. You know what I mean? So I, I feel exactly what you're saying, and I think you might have to suss out where – the best bang for your buck is. And, you know, I'm okay, I guess, shelling out three million bucks, four million bucks for a backup quarterback that's competent. Um, if if you can get them for less, we're in a, you know, yeah, we're, and also, we're here for the sale, the clearance Let's keep item. in mind, too, that, you know, these salary numbers I gave were last year. So right. is, is Jacoby Brissett getting five million next year? Is there a market for him at five million? Maybe, maybe not. Is there a is there a market for Teddy Bridgewater next year with the injuries and stuff at four point four million? Maybe, maybe not. So, you know, just because that's what they got before doesn't mean they're going to get again. So does that bring us to the draft? I mean, that's kind of where we're we're at with free agency. I mean, that's that's the market. It's not pretty. There's nothing really sexy about any of it. No, but nothing I sexy mean, when you have no cash. I mean, this is again. Even if we had money in the cap, I again, this is the what do we have with Daniel Jones here? And you know, I don't think we, I don't think this team, if we, if they had the same record they did last year but had tons of cap space, they're not going to spend a lot on backup quarterback with all the other needs that they need. I think, you know, as we pivot towards the draft, we have to first make that you know all important question: How likely is this front office? going to draft a quarterback this year given the major needs this team has particularly offensive line edge rusher you know linebacker uh, secondary things that you know that need to be solidified and yeah rebuilt. i mean th th those things need solutions you know what i mean like mm -hmm. daniel jones the quarterback position we don't know if we even need a solution right now Mm -hmm. I mean, we, he may be the solution. I don't – gun to your head right now. Is Daniel Jones on the roster in 2023? No. 
Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of how I feel too. I, I don't think this is going to be a very good team next year. He's not even going to have an opportunity to show that he improved or looks better in this system. Uh, the only way I think he returns in 2023 is if the draft pool is is completely dry and he showed enough progress and will be attained for cheap because nobody else wants him. You know, that's the only thing I can see. And even then, that's kind of a stretch. Um, well, actually, no, it's not. I mean, I think he no, could, I he mean, could, I, he could I prepare think, enough think, and if the I draft pool is empty. Enough, I think he can show enough over – a, a 17 week season and all the time they spent with him in you know OTAs off season preseason regular season in the in the film room in practice in games that they can say that this coaching staff that's had him for a year can say I mm-hmm. want to continue with this guy yeah I I think I, I was agreeing with myself and then I took that one sentence off a cliff there um, <laughs> yeah I think I think he can play his way onto it but it like I said, gun to my head, I don't think that's going to happen because I think we're going to be too bad for him to show the progress he needs to show to earn that cheaper whatever. And I don't think where he's going to be balling to, to earn that franchise tag like we were saying at the top of the show. Exactly. And I think, again, I think you're buying time. I think that decision just buys time to make the team around the next quarterback better. I mean, if you are drafting the quarterback of the future this year, you are delaying the progress of rebuilding this offensive line. You may be delaying the progress of getting your edge rusher. You may be delaying the progress of maybe you take that draft pick and you're going to trade down and trade around and get more draft picks for this year and next year to help with this overall rebuild. I think you're punting on that decision for a year, but I think the overall health of the roster is increased by it. And Completely I think agree. Completely yeah. agree. Because like we're saying, Daniel Jones may be the solution to the Daniel Jones maybe problem. Yeah. But, but we know for sure that the solutions on the offensive line, Andrew Thomas is the only one that fits. On the edge rushing, Aziz Ojolari is the only one that fits. Quincy Roche only because he's really cheap, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, inside linebacker. We know these things. We don't have the solution on the roster. That's where right. we should be fixing. Where we mm-hmm. know we need solutions. Right now, there's so many other spots that it's 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 not worth it to be like maybe fixing you're, maybe problems. You're improving the chances of the next quarterback having success by building the groundwork now. Yeah, 100. percent And and those things need to change, and they got to change fast. Um, but that does bring us to the draft because that's one more place where we could get a quarterback. It, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. Oh no, it, it's 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 possible. Mm-hmm. I mean, gun to my head, no. Gun to my head, no, but that's only because I did the work. I didn't want to say that until <laughs> until I'm I'm being serious. I, I'm not. I didn't yeah, mean to like. Gun to your say, head isn't definitive, so if it's not definitive, you might as well you know talk how, about. How, how the fuck? Yeah, well, yeah, I guess you're right. But yeah, I I, I didn't want to I didn't want to say anything without having actually truly watched these guys, and and I avoided quarterback because I didn't think it was going to be a thing. But if I watched this and I was blown away by something that maybe I hadn't seen before, I'd be like, ah, you know, these people talking about this guy, they might be right. Um, but I didn't see that. So right now, which by the way, we're talking. I don't think the quarterbacks did anything at the combine yet. It's March third. I think they just showed up and did their measurements and medical. I, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, while we're talking about this, this is pre combine. So. You're hearing this after they've already done some drills, so this might be kind of irrelevant as far as my opinion on them. But this is based on film, which I always take more to heart than combine anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But I do want to go through the guys, and there's not a lot, but I'm going to go through all the guys that I did watch. So before yeah. before you get started with that, mm-hmm. do you think it's more – if they decide to go quarterback this year, do you think that it's like with the first pick, like the first round pick, or you think they're going to try to like draft somebody like in the fourth or fifth round in, in, for a development project? Or is it like we're just waiting – we're going to punt till next year on quarterback? I don't think it serves any purpose to get a mid-round thing here. I, I think in general, mid-round quarterbacks that have success, and I'm not talking about Russell Wilson because you know he fell only because of his baseball uncertainty. Uncertain, well, not only, but mainly because of his baseball uncertainty and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But the guys like Kirk Cousins, who's a third-round draft pick, they're so rare. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like You get those guys because you can. Right, mm-hmm. that you're like, you know, just in case, let's get this guy, or we're gonna need a backup. Maybe he can develop into a backup. We've already, or, already we, or, or we draft him, and he could be an asset that we can trade. Sure, anything, like any of those things, we're not in that position Ab- absolutely. But most of those draft picks, they pan out to be nothing at all. There's mm-hmm. a, a very, very few that pan out to be the the choice. You know what I mean? Like the Kirk Cousins of the world, and we can we bitch about Kirk Cousins all the time, but dude's a starter. Right? right, I mean, like getting a starter out of the third or fourth round in, in the draft is is pretty nuts. So would for you rather me, have, you would you rather have right now, Daniel Jones or Kirk Cousins? <laughs> forget forget salaries, just straight up. It, uh, um, do I have to forget age and and ceiling and yeah, potential? Right now. Just, okay, just, just for right now, uh, I'm picking sides. I'm on the playground. I, I'm picking who's my quarterback. Uh, I don't know cousins. I guess. I, I, okay, so you're you're proving my point then. But then I don't said. fucking know. <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh. It's like we goof on Kirk Cousins, but he's he's a starting quarterback in oh, this league. Oh, hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I agree with that. Um. I would take Kirk Cousins right now over Daniel Jones. Too. But I mean, it, it's tough because again, like I've seen things from Daniel Jones I really like. Not recently, but those those Shermer years, I, I saw a lot of stuff downfield that I really liked. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm not super down low on Jones, but I'm trying to be realistic about him. Yeah. Um, so let's be realistic about draft guys. Um, okay. I'm going to try and rifle through these and then uh, I'm just going to go through what I saw on them and okay. uh, we'll take them one by one. So the first guy I checked out was from Pitt, Kenny Pickett. Who's actually a New Jersey kid, but from way down south where they root for the Eagles, so eh, it really, <laughs> we, we don't claim that here. Um, this dude is 6'3", 220 pounds. He's a pro-style quarterback. He operates mostly out of the shotgun, almost entirely, I would say. Not much of a design runner, but he has he, he is a decent mover. As far as navigating the pocket, it needs a lot of work. He tends to drift rather than find escape lanes. He also tends to over-panic. But he's decent at feeling the initial pressure. Uh, he gets a little flighty if under high amounts of pressure, panics when out of progressions, and immediately looks to escape the pocket even if it's not necessary. Um, mentality, he could have a gunslinger mentality at Brett Favre levels at times, which is, that's not a compliment. Um, mostly, he's on top of safe decisions, but can sometimes make some really careless all-or-nothing kinds of throws, and in really strange moments as well. Uh, he's above average at finding weaknesses pre-snap. Um, this is kind of where he shines, is is a lot of the pre-snap stuff and, and the, the intellect stuff, I would say. Um, he's good at exploiting those things. He can sometimes get locked into that pre-snap decision when it's not there and, and just kind of wait for it to happen when it's not going to. But otherwise, he's pretty advanced in this area, and same with setting some protections. 
Uh, I think he works through his progressions really well. I think he needs to make the decision a little faster on that third and fourth option, but that's pretty advanced in that area. Um, The arm, though. The accuracy is inconsistent at best. There's a general lack of ability to lead receivers, which which was more prevalent in 2020 but still lurked in 2021. But he can sometimes make very smart decisions with ball placement and other times looks like he's just it looks like the effort level is just trying to get it near the wide receiver, and I don't understand that. Um, and I would say his arm strength is average to above average, nothing canon, nothing crazy, nothing to write home about. I have no idea how much of this is accounted for in his small hands. I just figured I'd mention them. But his mechanics, upper body mechanics, they look pretty good. Um, it's his feet. His feet are inconsistent. There's some instances of crossing feet. Uh, sometimes some extra baby steps. He has this super annoying trait of doing fadeaways from very distant pressures, not necessary, so instead of gathering of his feet and stepping into the throw. How much of that is coaching and how much of that is just that's what he is? You know, I don't know. Um, it, it did look like – look, these guys are young, so I expect improvement from year to year no matter what. You know what I mean? So when I say it improved from 2020 to 2021 – I don't want to take anything away from that, but also I expect in college the young guys to every year, especially a team like Pitt, which is not a – this is no scrub school. I mean it's an ACC school. Um, yeah. I, I don't so, know, man. Wait. My my big issue with, with him is the accuracy is not always tied to his footwork. And that to me tells me – like I said, there's a general lack of effort sometimes. It looks like he's just kind of throw, – the guy's there, throwing it there. Like, no, dude, mm. you got to throw into a window. You know, this right. is the NFL now. There's nobody running wide. You can open. get away with that in college, but not in the NFL. A hundred percent. And even I would say he didn't really get away with it all that well at Pitt. There's a lot of times where receivers are so, fully stopping to catch the ball. So is he the type of guy you project to be an NFL starter, an, uh, an above-average NFL starter, and a franchise guy? What do you What do you think? You know, I thought more highly of him until I watched him. Uh, you know, this in depth. I think he's going in the first round. I think he might even be the first quarterback picked. And that should say something because it's it's going to get worse from here. And I, this isn't really a super glowing review of Kenny Pickett. So we're looking at another year where I don't know if any of these quarterbacks are really going to pan out. Um, there's so, not a surefire guy here this year. I mean, that is kind of... <laughs> If you're trying trying to decide, or do you want to put, cash your chips in now for your quarterback, or wait till next year? That's a pretty damning indictment. Yeah, um, and what's interesting is the top guys—they're all really different too. So it really is kind of worth exploring because all the guys that I think could go in the first round here—they they really do operate in a in different ways from each other. So the next guy I checked out is. Um, you know, and people love love making connections in, in NFL sports writing. Uh, the old Miss quarterback, Matt Corral. Matt Corral. Yeah. Um, Once a Gator, never became a Gator. <laughs> <laughs> he was uh, he was a recruit of uh, Jim McElwain, and when he got fired, he decommitted from Florida and went to Ole Miss. Uh, probably smart because the next head coach was a defensive guy. After Florida? McElwain. Yeah. Or am I? No, next head coach was Dan Mullen. Oh, well, oh, yeah. Okay. I get yeah. the coaches. They flip yeah, he through probably a couple. Would have, well, I mean, he, Dan Mullen or Lane Kiffin, take your pick on which type of offense you want. They're both very prolific. They both will, you know, have a lot of quarterbacks go to the NFL. So it, I can't blame him for 
Bailey. The decision he made. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to me, I, I by the way, I think Kenny Pickett is going top ten. I, I don't really grade him there, but I think that's kind of where he's going to end up going. Yeah. Matt Corral, I think, is going to fall somewhere after that in anywhere from the ten to 12. and by. Where he goes, I don't really grade that way. I grade where I think their talent belongs. So they yeah. may go one and two, but I don't think either one of these guys are a one and two. And then but. again, the question I asked before is, forget where they're going to fall in the draft. What do you project? You know, yeah. Going forward, what is he going to be a? Is he a starting quarterback in this league? Is he an above average starting quarterback? Is he a? You no, know, a guy who just never plays. Yeah, I mean, and and all these guys, they I think. I think three of the top four guys have potential to be starters, and they probably will start out as starters wherever mm-hmm. they wind up. But ultimately, the path of their career, I'm not sure that any of them are going to be starters. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, so Matt Corral, 6'2", 200 pounds. He's a pocket, power, po- pocket passer, but he has legit running ability. He's a true threat with his legs. In the pocket, he's nimble enough to avoid sacks, um, but doesn't necessarily navigate the pocket exceptionally. Um, you know, he's just that that natural ability, and he uses that natural athleticism and his decent vision. But he can sometimes do like way too much. Uh, in an in an instinct to run instead of slide in the pocket and throw, he'll sometimes run directly into pressure and stuff. Like he's mm-hmm. he's really doing a whole too much. Um, but his decision making. It's really not that bad. He can get locked into some pre-snap read stuff that isn't there and force it, but generally he puts, doesn't put the ball in bad places. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of often on the safe side. He has he a felt decent, like, yeah, he felt like a very confident guy, like just the way he carries himself, even you know, sure. the whole thing with playing in the bowl game when he got hurt and he was just like, hey, it happens. you know. Yeah, so yeah, and, and he's coming off a high ankle sprain, by and the he way. Played, and he plays like he's very confident also, definitely. I, w- I would agree with that. Um <laughs> I think he also has a pretty good ability to read and scan the field before the snap to identify weaknesses and blitzes and stuff like that. Um, but I will say that I think he struggles to adjust and work through his progressions when things aren't expected or when when they're not open. And he often tries to make up for it by buying time in the pocket and allowing receivers to work their way open or running or something like that. Um, and when he does have time in the pocket, he shows an ability to lock off some safeties and stuff like that. Uh, he'll pump fake when moving around the pocket too. Mm-hmm. Accuracy here is generally good and consistent at the first two levels of throwing, but it starts to waver into the wild category when we're throwing deep. Uh, But he does have some pretty good arm strength to throw deep and into far corners, and he has some ability to throw darts and also with touch. Um, Mm -hmm. Overall, I would say that his mechanics are pretty good, too. He holds the ball a little too low for my liking, um, and I think his base can get a little bit narrow when setting and dropping back, but otherwise his feet are usually doing the right thing. Um, you know, it's one of those things with him though. Is I, I just the deep ball accuracy? I just don't know if it's NFL level. Um, I I don't know with him. He reminds me kind of like of those Alabama quarterbacks pre Tua, like an AJ McCarron type coming out of college. Like he can Wouldn't make he be more the... of a statue, AJ McCarron. No, just like like. The way you described, like, you know, the accuracy kind of wavered as he, as he hit the deep ball. Mm-hmm. You know, good on his first and second progressions and then, you know, maybe holds it too long type thing. My biggest thing with him really is well, – well, I mean, all everything you just said, that I could see that parallel. And by the way, I hate doing player comps and I try not – I have to pull myself out of it cause I, simply because I'm bad at them. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but for me, my biggest takeaway is is like you said, like that third and fourth progression, things aren't working out right. Even if there's no pressure in his face, he starts to just start wildly moving around, and it's just like you can chill. You don't need to do that. And I don't know how right. much of that can be coached out of him. It's not like he came from bad coaching, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so Lane I mean, Kiffin Matt Corral, is, yeah, I think Lane you could even. Is, yeah, he's not a very good head coach, but he's a very good offensive mind and a you know a quarterback whisperer type coach. So yeah, yeah I can see your point for that. This is going to be the big one we're about to jump into here, and he's probably the most polarizing one, uh, and it's Liberty quarterback Malik Willis, and I do think he's a first-round talent here. Um, but let's get into Malik Willis because this is important. He's, he's 6'1", 220 pounds. That's pretty serious. 220 pounds is 6'1". That's, that's pretty nice. Mm. Um, he is legit rare talent, dual-threat quarterback with rare natural arm talent and elusiveness and speed. Um his pocket movement flashes some natural ability to move in the pocket, but it's wildly out of control. Um, and he will—it's not—it's not moving in the pocket really. If you are no longer in your throwing stance and you're completely scrambling, you are full running, then you're not moving in the pocket. You're just escaping. Right. You know what you I mean? Become a runner. Yeah. Uh, even if you're not trying to run past the line of scrimmage, but you are no longer a passer once you start. You know, you're now perpendicular and it, it, it's not that's got to get worked out of him really badly mm-hmm. um he's pretty good at sensing pressure initially and moving accordingly but the movement within the pocket is the is it's the issue getting out of the pocket he has rare ability to find running lanes and, and run with speed with twitch and, or put his foot in the ground honestly and and grind out a finish which i was surprised to see you know he will just run guys over to get one yard when he needs that one yard mm-hmm. um look the decision-making is horrendous, all right? The throws are often forced. There are often overreactions to pressure, uh, and, and they create false need to rush, making him easy to bait. Uh, his pre-snap reading, it's really hard to tell how in control he is at line of scrimmage, how much is coming from the sideline, and I don't really know the answer. So I would say at best it's average, but I don't. I think it's below average. Mm-hmm. Um. It, when the pocket is under control, he works through his progressions. He uses his legs to extend plays when the progressions yield no results. But again, like I said, using his legs is not using them properly. Seeing the field in general for him is a huge problem. Guys are running wide open. The first play of the first game I watched was against Louisiana Lafayette, and there's a guy like this, and he misses him. Hand in the air, wide open, streaking down the field. So right away, I was like, ay, ay, ay. Um... There's some very easy throws that are missed too because he's waiting for something big to happen downfield and something perfectly fine six to seven yards down the field is right there and guys are jumping up and down and waiting. So decision-making, it's got to get worked on. He does have the ability to place the ball well when his mechanics are under control, but like I said, his footwork when he's running around in the pocket and stuff, it's, it's all over the place. But I will say all of his accuracy issues seem to be tied to those mechanics, so correctable. Um... Where he really shines is arm strength. He has the ability to fire a spiral through weather. Um, But he can also place a drop in the bucket, which is fantastic. He has a special ability when he keeps his eyes downfield while escaping the pocket and pressure. He can be electrifying. We're talking about Lamar Jackson light Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways here. Mechanics are all over the place. The footwork is very inconsistent. Sometimes it's a flat mess. Um, And I don't like how often... He brings his back foot up 
high after the, after every throw, no, no matter how light or how hard. It's it's like it's almost oh. like a overreaction. Hmm. Um, it's like he's trying to compensate for something. Like it's it, it's like sure like he's moving his hip or something. But it's like a it's I, like a hitch, like a baseball swing hitch. Like I want to make sure I'm moving my hip, so I'm doing something like my arm. Yeah, and, and I'm not. I'm gonna. I, I preface this already, but I'm not a, a genius or anything like that. So <laughs> maybe it's not that big of a problem. But to me, it looks awkward. I have not seen a lot of people do that. Um, here's my general thing. To me, he looks like a lot less far along than Lamar Jackson was. He doesn't see the field well. His mechanics are everywhere, and he even moves in less refined ways and is slower. <laughs> I think he's so, slower. He looks slower. But but wait, so, hang on, hang on, hang on. He yeah. is, however, a smart kid. And he's a hard worker. And since most of his issues are all correctable and teachable, he can develop into something very, very special. But I think he has a longer way to go than Lamar Jackson. And is still, even even if he does make the exact same leap, he's less naturally gifted than Lamar Jackson, in my opinion, as well. So at his absolute best, I think his absolute ceiling is still a little under Lamar Jackson. Now, that is not a knock, I guess, right? Like, Lamar Jackson's... A top 10 quarterback in the league it's certainly top MVP 15 last year wasn't he uh maybe i don't know um but either way malik willis can elevate to that level right now right now which is how i do my grades i don't grade on ceiling i acknowledge it right now he doesn't even look like a first round quarterback but you can't ignore ceiling with a quarterback right right so to me i grade him as top 20 talent so That's- if you're the Giants and you are this front office, are you more concerned about potential ceiling or you're trying to minimize the potential for a bust when we're this next quarterback that we bring in, if we decide to move on for next quarterback? Well, I think that if the Giants, if Malik Willis were coming out in the draft exactly as he is and we are two years into this Joe Shane rebuild and this is the draft class that's coming out and we've already addressed most of our whatever and Daniel Jones is on the last year of his deal whatever in that instance of this group I'm taking Malik Willis based on a ceiling I don't think Matt Corral or Kenny Pickett ever elevate to the level of franchise quarterback I think Corral probably has a better chance than Pickett even though he's not as far along as Pickett right now so would a team like let's say the Steelers for example, you know, Roethlisberger's retiring. Would a team like that be a good pick for for someone like him? It where could the, be. The but... infrastructure is around there for him to to succeed, and there's a potential for that super high ceiling. It could be, but I I would really try to refrain, and and I know I understand the financial implications of sitting a first year quarterback, but mm-hmm. to me, this kid needs to sit a year. At, or at least like the first ten games of the season. If he ends up closing out the season, then fine. But I, I think he gets the Mahomes treatment. I I have to be. He's with the Trey Lance treatment or the Trey Lance. Well, we don't even know that one for sure. I mean, he, who knows? Well, but, I mean, like the, he sat. They, they they traded up for the guy and he sat. Yeah. Well, yeah. Fair enough. But dude, I I would be surprised if Malik Willis has what it. Again, this is pre-combine. I I saw improvement, by the way, from 2020 to 2021 and even at the Senior Bowl. So 
very coachable. He's a smart, hardworking kid. I, I tried to outline that as hard as I could because he can elevate. He can mm-hmm. do it. And he, he has by far the highest ceiling here. So if, if financially – if, financially if Ben better. Roethlisberger had one more year, I would say the Steelers would be an absolutely perfect place for him to go. So this is going to be my next kind of follow-up to the, the Steeler question was – would he be better suited to be on a team that's drafted more like Pittsburgh or a team like, let's say, Jacksonville or Houston bad and just say, we're going to get him and we'll build around him? Or it would be better off with a team that has that structure around him, like for a guy like him that has to kind of, you know, mature more and develop more. Oh, I mean, Jacksonville, I mean, taking out the fact that they have Trevor Lawrence, whatever, but just, just, I I understand as a quality of team. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think anyone really survives those places. You know, that's, that's the, that's the circle of hell. Uh, Mm -hmm. No, no quarterback really comes out of there alive. So while he may not make as much money if he was drafted, let's say 15th, as opposed to third, it might be to the best interest in his career to be trapped a little lower. Does that make sense? I mean, the same way would be for maybe Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, anybody who avoids Cleveland, you know what I mean? Who, yeah. He, so I, I guess was that Peyton Manning? Well, Peyton Manning was with uh, – he was drafted by the Colts. Right. But there wasn't no – what well, do you mean? Like, didn't Cleveland pick second and they picked him couch? No, 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 no. Cleveland, that was the first overall pick. Uh, they, Ryan Leaf was the second pick. Right. Right, Ryan Leaf. Sorry, I had Yeah, I, he went to San well, Diego. That, so, so that's my, my thing. Uh, um, no, wait, yeah, wait. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. The couch was a different draft. Couch was later. Yeah. Well, whatever. Every Everyone that gets drafted in Cleveland falls apart, even the great Baker Mayfield, right? <laughs> and, and, and Johnny Money or whatever. Hey, okay, so let me ask you something. I asked the question before. Rather than Baker Mayfield or Daniel Jones right now? I, I don't know. Um, I, I, does that even matter? I mean... <laughs> just hypothetically, because we're throwing out names throughout this show. I would rather have Daniel Jones. Like... I like Daniel... Daniel Jones has a skill set that Baker Mayfield does not have. Uh, both guys are underperforming where they should be. Daniel Jones has deep ball accuracy that's very, very good. Not that Baker Mayfield isn't good. But he has that. I, I think his attitude is a little bit more in the right place than Baker Mayfield's. I think I think Baker Mayfield is a prick, by the way. I think he's a dickhead. Um, and Baker also, Mayfield's had better talent to work with than Daniel Jones ever did, too, and done less with did. it. Yeah. And, and, and Daniel Jones has running ability that Baker Mayfield just simply doesn't have. The I answer think on is his face, Daniel Jones. The answer is Daniel Jones. Yeah. Yes. Um, but, but both are, are equally underperforming at this point right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to quickly run through another one. UNC quarterback Sam Howell, mainly because he uh, surprised me a little bit. 6'1", 220 pounds, pocket passer with some escapability. And speaking of Baker Mayfield, when he's running, he kind of looks like him. Uh, mm-hmm. He gets those tough, gritty yards sometimes. Uh, in the pocket, he feels pressure pretty well, but doesn't navigate the pocket with any sort of grace. He steps into throws, knowing that he's going to get creamed, though. So that's pretty tough, and I, I like that. I have a really soft spot for that in my heart. Um, mostly, he makes smart and safe decisions, but often a beat too late on them to be fully effective. And he's not often very daring. Um, he appears to be average at reading defenses 
pre-snap. He works through his progressions on B and reads the field pretty well, but not often throwing into bad choices. He also doesn't immediately trust his eyes and throws a bit late. I, I, I don't know if that's coachable or if that's just in his nature to not want to make mistakes. He has a tendency to stare down throws, um, and he has minimal pump and head fakes except when he's running. Generally speaking, he's pretty accurate with ball placement. Any issues tend to be tied to his footwork, which again is correctable. Downfield accuracy is especially good in my opinion. Um, I think he throws a very pretty deep ball. Strength, you know, though, uh, excellent touch when needed on the over-the-shoulder throws. Not, so we mentioned quarterbacks from Liberty, Old Miss, mm-hmm. North Carolina, and we're talking about some really good coaches. Yeah. You know? And the common theme for these guys are a lot of things that this could be correctable. This could be coached out. So, well, they're, they're young. That's why. I mean, those really good coaches, uh, they only have them from their former. They're, they're 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 coaching out a lot of high school stuff too, and they're also okay. trying to win games. So, when when you're saying like you know like the footwork and he's just is you're not comparing it to other guys their peers you're saying more towards what needs to be to the NFL I'm talking about I'm talking about the NFL when okay. I when I talk about the draft guys I talk about how they're going to do in their first year and, and things like that and I, I'll say that how it's I mean where they get drafted is how they stack up against their peers you know what I mean and how I rank them that's all stacked up against their peers right. but at the end of the day I don't really care who the best in the NCAA is in 2021 at whatever position I care about what they're going to do at the next level right right and I'm saying well I'm comparing, well that, that that's how I'm answering it I'm co- I'm comparing footwork like you know this guy's got the best footwork I've seen compared to this guy and but it's you're compare you're your projections are going forward to, you know, like you said, for year one. Okay, I got Correct, you. Correct, yeah. And and speaking of his footwork or whatever, um, his mechanics, he holds the ball a little too low. He releases at the proper height, though. So I think that's leading to an exaggerated and lengthy windup, uh, which is never really good. Um, but that's that's easily correctable. I mean, that's just you got to hold the ball higher. I mean, and, and that happens with a lot of college kids. They hold it a little too low, especially the guys who move. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know. Uh, his footwork, I don't know. I, I just don't get the sense from Sam Howell that I, if it's it's the fourth quarter and there's a minute left that he's going to lead any team down the field to do anything. They underachieved North Carolina. I mean, they were well, – I mean, were, and when they, they did well, it, was, 10, it was kind of the running backs that did a lot of the legwork. Yeah. But, I mean, him and Matt Corral were kind of the two, like, before the season started, like, these are going to be the two best quarterbacks in the NFL this year, in, in, in college this year, rather, mm. you know, uh, um, and how, you know, I, I, I think he was a much bigger disappointment that, you know, they, they lost some games early on. He kind of lost the spotlight, you know, as the season went on because they, you know, they dropped out of the top 25 and he kind of lost, you know, perception of them. Steam. Really. But, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, he flashed more, tra- and, and I was way down on him because I had watched him a lot in 2020 because I was watching the running backs, I was watching Deami Brown, and I was watching. I was just generally watching a lot of UNC tape, and I was like, this kid sucks. Like, I'm not into like because I'm watching Deami Brown, and I'm like, he would have like 15 more touchdowns if he didn't suck. If if Sam Howell could throw <laughs> the fucking ball, but you know, now that I'm watching him very specifically, and it's a year later. You know, he may have underachieved, but he still surprised me with his ability. I, he, he was a little bit further along than I really expected. 
Okay. Those are all the guys that I could see going in the first round. And I could see the possibility of Sam Howell going in the first round, but my projection for him is round two. So um, the bottom line with these guys mm-hmm. is that there's nobody who really off the page wowed you to the point of, I got to reconsider, you know, if the Giants are looking at, you know, this tackle or this edge rusher, no, no, no. From what I've seen on tape, they need to go in this direction with a quarterback. Nobody blew me away. Like I said, the, the best thing that looked good was the ceiling and the potential for Malik Willis. And I, I just, in my humble opinion, his best place, his best destination is somewhere where they have a quarterback for one to two more years and they can let him sit and develop. The Giants could let him sit and develop for a year, but they just have they just have so many holes. Too many needs. It's just... It's one of those things where, I don't know, I guess it depends on how far he's dropping. Um, you know what I mean? Like, Lamar Jackson himself went, like, 24th mm-hmm. or something like that, right? And I'm saying that, at best, this kid will be slightly worse than Lamar Jackson. And by all accounts, he should be going less than that, right? <laughs> well, but, I mean, that's not really how it works. But You mean slightly worse where he's drafted or how he'll be in the NFL? How he'll be in the NFL. I think, at his well, best, he'll still be a little bit worse than Lamar Jackson. Hey, if he's slightly worse than a guy who was MVP. Uh, exactly, but that is his full projected ceiling, and that guy right. was drafted 24th You right. know when he came out. He's he's far – I think he's further behind where Lamar Jackson was when he came out of the NCAA. Mm-hmm. Um, he played at Louisville. I mean he played against better competition, and he looked better on film than Malik Willis did playing against – I don't, Troy or whatever. Well, the best to play was Louisiana, which you know was a ranked team. But come on, that's... I mean, he, uh, they played Ole Miss. They also played Syracuse. Yeah, which Syracuse. defensively this year, Syracuse is pretty pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, the last couple of years, I, I as a team, I understand, but but I agree. That's my thing. I watched that first game was the Louisiana Lafayette game, and the first snap he he missed a guy running wide open. Mm-hmm. So there's so much work to be done there. Other guys, just for people who might be interested, Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati and Bailey Zappi from Western Kentucky. I think those guys are rounds two to three career. And, you know, again, the highest for rounds two to three, we're, we're looking at a Kirk Cousins potential. We're not drafting one of those. We're guys. not drafting one of those. We covered that before. We're not. If we're going to make the move this year, it's for somebody we are very confident will be you know, a franchise I agree. guy. I agree. Yeah. No, we don't. There's no reason for any of this shit. Mm-hmm. Um, for those curious about Brock Purdy and if I might have overlooked him, Iowa State quarterback who's very seasoned to play a lot in the NCAA. Overall, I, I think he's falling somewhere in the third or fourth round. And if anybody likes Carson Strong from Nevada, I have him even further. Rounds four to five. Um, I, I actually, when I was doing senior bowl prep work, I was kind of wowed by him. And then I saw him at the senior bowl and I dipped back down. And then after more film work, I'm even mm-hmm. further down so mm-hmm. that's kind of how i see the quarterbacks shaking out okay that's that's what i've got that's what i've got for you all, <laughs> all <right. laughs> i've done that was my exhaustive list of quarterbacks there's really no need uh at that point where i'm i'm projecting guys in the fourth and fifth round i just don't there's no way the giants pick a quarterback outside of the first round unless my, somebody insane falls right my last question relative to the giants is there anybody on this list that you could see somebody trading up for to get if they're falling or you mean before the draft starts before the draft starts they would want one of our picks well our picks i don't know if we're close enough to 
trade before the draft for a quarterback. Right. So, you don't so see on draft day, I mean, I don't think it's falling for a quarterback in this draft class to not be picked in the top five. I got to be honest. So I can see – I could see Corral, Pickett, and Malik Willis all being trade-uppable guys if none of them have been picked in the top five. Okay. From some team. I, 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 I'm not versed enough in the NFL and which teams somebody's, might want which kind of fucking quarterback. So I, somebody's, somebody's going to make that jump that from the combine to the draft where all of a sudden their stock's going to rise and happens every year. And I would and say Malik Willis has been steadily having his stock rise since 2020. So, mm-hmm. he, And like I said, even the senior bowl, he looked better than he did on 2021 film. So. Mm-hmm. At the combine, he might rock everybody's world. So and somebody's out great there is going to be like, "I got to get this guy and could trade up for." Gotcha. Yeah, and he's not also not running at the combine. Uh, uh, so his speed, you know, if he runs a four-two at his pro day, whenever the hell that is, you know, that's only going to increase. Right. Um, ultimately, you know, before I did this, gun to my head, Giants weren't picking a quarterback. Now I don't even need the gun to my head. I just need somebody <laughs> near me, and I'll, I'll say, anybody walks into a room, I'll just say, the Giants aren't drafting a quarterback this year. So, <laughs> that's where I land on all of this. Gotcha. <laughs> that's going to do it for this episode. Um, I'm glad that you all got to see this, even though we did it way in advance. And uh, we will see you next week. We're doing... Kanas, as Dave Gettleman used to say, but as normal humans <laughs> used to say, corners. Next week is corners. Very important corners. Very important corners. Mm-hmm. We will see you all there. Be sure to follow on YouTube. And if you just like uh, listening instead of watching, sucks for you, but we accommodate <laughs> Google Play, Spotify, uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, all, the, all that. And of course, follow us on Twitter. Ats are right below at football underscore grump at the cranky fan. We will see you all next time. Go Giants! Go Giants!